Hello and welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today I have on Joseph Morgan and we talk about uh, his movement to get the uh, mayor of Tucson, Regina Romero, uh, recalled and get it put on the ballot. Um, yeah, it was just a fun conversation. It's not like the typical conversation that I have on the podcast. We didn't really talk about Bitcoin, uh, but I, I feel like this one really makes sense uh, in the sense that you know, Bitcoin is so much more than just a financial uh, tool. It, it it is a revolution. It is a revolution of our monetary system where people, instead of being defrauded by banks and government, you know, now can have a form of money that can't be debased and can't be confiscated and can't be just arbitrarily taxed. And, you know, it, it really puts power back into people's hands. And that's a lot of what... Um, uh, Joseph talks about in the interview is the importance of the government being accountable to the people and not the people solely being accountable to the government. So yeah, it was a lot of fun and uh, these conversations in, the, in this form I think become a lot less polarizing because uh, you really get to see uh, who the person is and you know their thinking process and, and hear longer. Uh, it, it's not just like a quick soundbite that just you know, is taken and can be misconstrued or, or you know, whatever. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of fun, you know, to be able to learn and, and listen to different opinions. And uh, I, I think, like, a lot of people, you know, they see this movement, they might like the mayor, and they'll think this guy is a moron or he's a white supremacist or, you know, what whatever is thrown at somebody with a different opinion this day to invalidate them but uh, a lot of the issues that he bring up brings up are issues that i think are important to all citizens regardless of your political persuasion um and it you might find after listening to this that this movement might be a lot less polarizing than you initially thought so i hope you enjoy this conversation all right and we're recording thanks for coming on joseph absolutely thanks for having me so uh, you, you're working at Pima Community College, which is one of my favorite places in Tucson. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, well, this current stint, um, I've been there for almost two years now. So um, yeah, just about two years. Yeah, two years, this current stint. But I, work, I worked there before for a while as a teacher. Uh, this time I took this job as a support technician for their upper bound program. Because uh, they had an opening, and I knew the lady who runs it. I had actually taught some uh, stuff for her, um, and uh, I was looking for an easy job essentially uh, because I ran for Congress, and so I was looking around, and uh, she had an opening, and it's it's a perfect fit for what I was doing. Gives me a lot of flexibility and gives me a lot of uh, time to do what I wanted to do on the campaign trail. So, yeah, it's always nice to have a job like that, and. Uh... So for anybody listening that doesn't know what the Upward Bound program is, you, you help people in need uh, attain scholarships. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah we, work, we work with teens, uh, specifically the schools that the, uh, my office works with out of the downtown campus is uh, Amphi, Flowing Wells, and Rincon. And we work with underprivileged minority students primarily um, obtain scholarships for college. Yeah, I think that's such important work. I one of the things that uh, bums me out is there's an attitude of, uh, 
I don't know, kind of like a negative attitude towards community college. Um, but when you look at the expense, how expensive these four-year colleges is, it's, it's actually, in my opinion, kind of silly not to do it. And Pima has so many good programs. I, I went through Pima and mm -hmm. I still stick around a little bit and take a class here and there. Um, yeah. I think the community college route is a fantastic route for a lot of people, uh, especially as they're moving more into uh, specialty uh, education, um, you know, uh, trades, things of that nature, um, specifically in the technology fields, like they, they built an entirely new system, uh, center downtown uh, for the aerospace uh, sciences. But these are basically you come and get a two three year degree tops uh, and it's in a field that you can go right into a work mm -hmm. uh, uh, force and um, i want to see more of that expanded uh, so yeah i definitely think the community college route um, has a lot to offer to a lot of people uh, rather than going um, as you say to the ridiculously expensive and overpriced state-run universities um, or private universities for that matter. And we're frankly, yeah, those degrees are becoming increasingly worthless. Um, the degrees that come out of there in the liberal arts community, I mean, totally worthless. Where you can literally have a master's degree, be totally in debt, and the only job that you qualify for is Starbucks barista because um, you don't qualify for the jobs of the future. You just don't. You don't have the skill set for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of people when they're 18, 19 aren't considering is how quickly the technology is moving and how school just can't mm -hmm. keep up with that. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, our education system doesn't really instill uh, critical thinking or problem solving skills, um, which is nope. super counterproductive. So mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason why so many people get stuck. Um, with the student debt and, and these degrees, like a psychology degree, you know, you go four years at the University of Arizona and you can't practice psychology. You have to get most of the time, get an entry level job, um, yeah. making, making close to minimum wage, which is kind of a bummer. So yeah, what, what uh, inspired you to run for Congress? Uh, there's a lot of things I think that inspired me to personally run for Congress, but uh, the primary reason why I decided to, to make the leap, as it were, in um, December of 2018 is when I made my decision that I was going to do this, uh, is I'm a person that's been very active in politics uh, here locally. Uh, I have always been drawn to political discourse. Um, I never wanted to be a politician myself, but... Um, you know, talking about uh, politics, the, whether that's the philosophy of politics or getting into more substantive policy debates or discussions has always been something that I've been interested in. And uh, with what happened in 2018 with the, you know, the blue, you know, uh, non-wave, but still a blue um, House majority got, uh, got delivered to the Democrats um, in 2018, and specifically where we live here in Pima County, we were bluer than we've ever been. And now it's gotten even worse in 2020. And one of the things I've always been concerned about is the Pima GOP has a lot of issues at, at finding and helping raise up uh, good candidates. Um, one of the things that has also concerned me is that the Democrat Party nationally, and especially here locally, uh, is increasingly hard left, um, and their candidates are hard left. And yet, because so many people, whether they're R or D, they vote based on whatever, you know, the letter is by your, your name, you're, we're going to have to do something about 
uh, having a, a GOP has a strategy to start winning some Democrat hearts and minds over to the Republican banner. And that starts with the GOP doing the work of, of working in the community, getting more involved in things um, like the Democrats are seen as specifically the Hispanic communities, but then also training and revitalizing uh, candidates. Uh, I mean, so many of these candidates are just out there uh, on their own. And that's the way this whole system is kind of set up. And there's no real support system for them when they run um, and they don't know what they're doing. So I think that that scares away a lot of, of potentially good candidates who mm -hmm. um, have real good ideas for the community. Um, and, uh, you know, whether they, they're, they're, you know, business owners or business uh, people or, um, you know, people working in the community um, as public servants already, but just not in a political capacity, whatever the case may be, people who are have real talents and, and real something to offer, uh, perhaps, uh, they, they're scared away from running because there's no support system for them. So um, I knew it would, you know, be a lot of work on my, my end, because uh, I knew that that was coming. But I knew that if I dedicated myself and um, uh, organized volunteers and everything else, I'd probably give it a, 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 a decent shot. And I also worked on having real good ideas uh, put forward uh, to things like the healthcare issue, which is something that most Republicans just shy away from. But frankly, there are truly some remarkably uh, solid free market um, solutions to uh, saving our, our, our healthcare system and, and delivering, uh, you know, lower cost care to people, higher efficient uh, care to people. Um, but these are things that we don't tend to talk about because, frankly, many of the candidates on the GOP side are, are woefully ignorant of a lot of these core issues. Um, and they don't get a pass from the media, which has become increasingly one-sided in, in the way that they publicize and talk about candidates no matter what, whether it's local or national, uh, which does a huge disservice to people. And so um, knowing all that, I, I said, you know what, I, I can run an effective campaign. I can do this. or well, somebody needs to do it, we've got to step up. I'm tired of having big money interest to say this is the candidate and because the money's behind them there's no way to really stop them from becoming the candidate and yet a lot of those candidates are not good candidates and they don't really have a chance of winning anyway and so they don't and we just end up you know repeating the same cycle over and over and like i said then we end up with democrats who are increasingly left and they're increasingly pushing bigger government more government control and intrusion into your life at all levels and um so we gotta, we're going to have to fight to take that back. And the first uh, step in waging that battle is to get involved yourself rather than sit on the sidelines and criticize or critique or, or give your own ideas from the keyboard. You step into the arena yourself. Um, and yeah, that, that puts a light on you directly. But it's still the opportunity then if you've got really good things to say to start drawing an audience, building a base of support. And so we did that without any money. We only raised about you know, a little more than $32,000. Um, but got our name out there. We, we finished third in the Republican primary. There were initially nine people that, that, that ran in that Republican primary. I'm proud of what we did. I'm proud of what the volunteers accomplished. And we got almost 18,000 votes. So, uh, you know, uh, my name's out there. A lot of people now know who I am, uh, uh, you know, and, and I'm a solid conservative. But more than that, I'm, I'm a person that has real ideas for this community and, and how to move forward and help this community, uh, no matter what your political stripe. And I'm willing to engage in discussions about a lot of things um, and make deals, you know, as far as, you know, political deals uh, to, to get us start moving in the right direction rather than just um, uh, arguing for the sake of arguing. I mean, I'm, I'll argue my point of view uh, ardently, but when the time comes to, you know, pass something for the benefit of us all, I'm willing to do that as well while I continue to argue my point. So um, that's what we need. 
and and so I just figured, you know, I'm single. I've I've got all this time on my hand. I can do it. And so I ran, and it was it was it was successful in my view. And I'm planning on doing it again. And then this came out of that this opportunity for this recall. And so now this is consuming all my time and energy right now. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. So uh, one of the things that you said was there's an importance to fight back. And I think we're seeing uh, in our community, people just increasingly becoming more and more demoralized. I mean, in my mm-hmm. lifetime, um, there's been some new normals such as uh, mass surveillance and treating you know the entire population as criminals. Um, we, we've been in war my entire life. Uh, there's... Um, you know, just a, just a lot of things that are just kind of a bummer. Um, and it's it's really when, when it things are always this way and you see movements like Occupy Wall Street or, um, uh, just, you know, just various movements come along and kind of fracture and fall apart and get dismantled and nothing really changes. There might be like some superficial change. Um, it's really difficult to like see or want to fight back, um, see the reason to, when there's just this beast, you know, a lot of people call it the deep state or the swamp. Um, and it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, you're a smaller candidate going up against this, you know, big party machine in the democratic party where they're funding these candidates. And it's really hard to compete with that. And then you also have the, the news being complicit in all of it. So, so what, why is it so important to, to fight back and, and what what uh, inspired you to get involved and start this movement of recall Regina, or Regina? Well, I think it's important to fight back, first of all, for, for all Americans, no, no matter what your particular political philosophy, if, if you believe in the American founding, which you should, if you're a believer in this country and what it stands for, what truly makes it unique uh, is that uh, government power resides with the people. It does not reside with the government. It never has, and we shouldn't ever get to the place where we are okay with them thinking that it does. Uh, and that's where the Constitution comes in and what it clearly states. But this goes back to our creed, the Declaration of Independence, uh, that, that we're endowed by certain rights from our creator, not from the government. All right, The government has no right. And in fact, it's a very radical document because when government steps out of that lane and starts to assume more and more power unto itself, uh, then we have we have the right. And, and then Jefferson goes on to say, not just the right, the duty to throw off said government, if need be, and form a new government if we have to. And I don't ever want to get to that place uh, where we have a, a bloody revolution or a bloody civil war. And I tell everybody, there's no need to if we'll just stand up and fight for what literally is our rights as codified in the laws, the Constitution in this case, that are literally just being ignored. They're being ignored by these local entities. They're being ignored by judges. Uh, in this case, the excuse is, well, we're, we're in extraordinary times with this pandemic. And so therefore, we don't have to follow any of these, these, these guidelines or these, these rules, these constitutional binding laws, uh, because uh, uh, it, this is, this is going to kill everybody if we don't do anything. And I don't even want to get into you the, the, the lack of science uh, from that standing. But that is the argument that's being made. And it's being upheld in courts. Uh, thankfully, uh, a lot of these, once they get to the Supreme Court thus far um, now with, with uh, what we call a conservative majority there uh, on religious liberty and some of the others, they're starting, to, they're starting to be that pushback in the judicial aspect where these lower court rulings are being overturned. Um, but my whole point to the people is uh, 
we the people have the power and and if we're just willing to sit there and not go back out in the streets uh, you take this curfew thing that i'm i'm challenging i'm i'm not a night owl i i tell everybody i'm usually in bed between 9 30 and 10. that's who i am that's the way i all, have always been only in my college life did i force myself to stay awake late but for the most part i i go to bed early and i get up early so um, this is a sacrifice for me because I'm doing it to make a point to, to other people who there's so many people who are seemingly scared. And, and that's because they just want to be good law abiding citizens. We've been trained to do that. You, you don't want to be seen as this radical, this lawless person. But what I tell everybody is we're not the ones being lawless. The government is being lawless because they are violating the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. And you have certain rights codified in that document and you should pick it up and read it. And I don't care if some judge tells you that that doesn't apply or that you're reading that wrong. I don't really care because the constitution says we the people in order to form a more perfect union. It is about we the people reassuming our power over these elected officials. They do what we tell them to do. And if they don't do it, then we throw them out of office. But we certainly don't uh, uh, comply with these illegal orders because they have not been lawfully ordained, lawfully passed, and they are trampling on our innate rights. So that's why I'm fighting. That's why I'm in this fight. Uh, and I will always be in this fight uh, because uh, I'm not a radical, but I am a revolutionary in that regard. Uh, our founding uh, fathers were revolutionaries. We threw off those, those, the shackles. Uh, we are different in the way we approach government philosophically than the rest of the world. Everybody's acting like we should become like the rest of the world. I don't want to become like the rest of the world. I want the rest of the world to become like us, where the, the, the people in those other countries start to get more power to themselves, to take back their governments for themselves. And so out of that came this opportunity to recall the mayor, because during my campaign, right in the heart of it, when the, the mask mandates first uh, got handed down, um, she passed them and then of course the county followed up but the day after the, the mass mandate went into effect supposedly um, I joined a friend and uh, I shared it on my Facebook feed and um, uh, there was about 50 or 60 other Tucsonans that joined us there but I, I joined a friend in protesting in front of her house uh, and, and it was a very peaceful protest we didn't uh, even raise our voice it, it was kind of like a block party I tell people because you know she had music blaring outside of her, her, her house and everything else. But we went out there without our masks uh, to let her know that she doesn't have the authority and neither does anybody else to make us wear masks. Now, a lot of people at the time, especially in my conservative GOP ranks were angry at me, but a lot of them have come around now as they've seen what this has become, what this, this um, COVID-19 thing has become. But at that time we were right in the heart of it. And I'm one of these people that leads based on principle. I don't, I don't necessarily follow um, I look at things principally, and then I make a decision. I don't, I'm not waiting till it's comfortable or anything else. Um, I stood on principle with my friend uh, that this was wrong, it's illegal. And uh, out of that, a lot of people reached out to me and said, hey, Joe, we got to recall this lady. And I said, well, I'm willing to start this. So I helped them, but I said, I'm running for Congress. I've got, I've got a, a ton of other things on my, on my plate, so I'll help you. And that group kind of floundered a little bit after I kind of stepped back because I was asked to. Um, and uh, as soon the day after my primary was over, some of those same people reached out to me and said, Joe, you got to take the reins because uh, they still had launched. They still hadn't got off the ground. They had a Facebook group, but not much else. And so uh, that's what I did. I took a vacation. I came back. And by that time, a whole host of other issues had, had really uh, piled on the plate. And we can go in those if you would like uh, uh, a bit later. But 
um, a whole b- bunch of other people had joined and said, we've got to get rid of this. And it just continues to grow as she just continues to do things that is making not just people angry, uh, but she's violating, of course, uh, rights. And then, she, of course, she's decimating uh, the economy of Tucson, uh, just destroying small businesses here. And I, of course, I think that's purposeful. So as a result, our effort just keeps on on, on gaining momentum. And so I, I filed officially uh, October 30th is when we filed. And that's when this uh, uh, kicked off. And uh, ever since then, we've been going full steam ahead, getting more volunteers every day. And uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that we are going to be successful in recalling uh, Regina Romero uh, from Tucson. Yeah, it, it seems like you guys have made some good progress uh, with the petition signing. I, I think the requirement was 25000 to get it on the ballot. Yeah, it's and- a little less than 25000 It's about $24,720, um, but... Um, we say 25,000 minimum, but our target is 30,000 to have 30,000 legitimate signatures. Um, and of course, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it's been hard. Uh, the biggest struggle for me, honestly, has been getting the business owners and people, you know, big name people that have deep pockets to get behind this. Um, and a lot of them are scared because again, if it's not successful, then their names will be on the funding of this and they don't want that. Uh, now, they said that they'll support a recall election when the time comes for that, um, but they don't want to be a part of, of this except for, you know, kind of rah-rah, uh, cheer-cheer from the, the, the stands, which, again, I, I understand, but at the same time, like, you, you got to be all in or not at all. I mean, this is one of the things I keep telling people. This is how they win because there's not enough of us that are standing unified against them. We're just – so many people are afraid of the risks to them, afraid of this, afraid of that. So that's, that's part of the reason why I kind of do what I do very publicly um, is just being a face of defiance. I don't mind. I'll, I'll be the face of defiance. Somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to be willing to say, uh, I don't care what you guys try to do. You're wrong, but you have to do it in a respectful manner. You have to do it in a legal, truly legal manner. Uh, and you win. You win. Uh, I have people all the time, people trying to take my job at FEMA. Uh, it's not going to be successful because they, they can't. Uh, they have no right to take my job. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything illegal. So um, I'm very careful about what I do and how I do what I do. But um, it's got to be done. And I'm trying to encourage other people to band together. And thankfully, you know, the number of patriots are starting to, to, to form. There's other groups starting to, to, to uh, I call it unionizing for liberty, uh, especially small businesses coming together and starting to defend one another, stand with one another against these mandates and these crackdowns which are destroying them, of course. And this coming from people who haven't missed a paycheck, by the way. Nobody working in government has missed a paycheck. I should know. I'm getting paid through a government salary. So mm-hmm. I am doing what I'm doing, not because I've been negatively affected in any way, shape, or form. I haven't been. This has been you know, like a, a giant paid vacation almost. Uh, but I use uh, my time, uh, my free time, and I use my, my abilities to fight for the principle of this stuff. Um, not because it's negatively impacted me, because it, it really hasn't, uh, but it is negatively impacting so many others, and it's just wrong on its face. So that's why we're doing what we're doing and why I got involved and, and why uh, this, this effort has been so successful. Yeah, it's, I mean, one of the things I bring up a lot of time about the lockdowns is that, you know, the most sensible thing for elected officials to be doing, if they're mandating that people, uh can't make a living, you know, if they're shutting down businesses and, and destroying the economy, that one of the first things that they should do is um, give up their paychecks. And that would be the most sensible thing, you know, to right. say, 
but yeah, of course that's not happening. Um, no, no stop. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sounds like what's at the core of this is uh, the idea of the government being um, responsible and accountable to its people instead of the government or the people being accountable and responsible to the government. And I think there's kind of been a growing increase um, in regards to that. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to start off going into your background is you know, typically when somebody, we've seen it happen over and over again um, since the pandemic started or, or any time um, uh, somebody is like a dissenting voice from the majority mainstream narrative. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a attempt to demonize, you know, these types of movements. So, you know, terms like white supremacy, um, racist, uh, you know, regardless, um, you know, are thrown. Have, have you experienced any of that, any of that negative uh, attempts to discredit you in this movement yet? Oh, yeah. From day one, Rahina and her people consistently refer to me as, uh, and I'm not saying Rahina herself, but her people, there's, there's lots of pages where you can go on social media and find this kind of stuff. I'm a white supremacist. I'm a misogynist. That's my entire goal. It's nothing but racism. Uh, to do this kind of stuff. Uh, in the media, they haven't gone there. In the media, they've made it all about we're anti-science, you know, we're, we're anti-masks, we're, we're anti her climate initiative to plant a million trees in the desert using water. Uh, needless <laughs> to say, that's the dumbest thing ever because she's, an, she's actually anti-climate there. Uh, we're in the desert. We're in a drought, in fact. We're already having problems with our groundwater. That's a, that's a fact, and she wants to waste water planting a million trees just to what, to appease to somebody? I mean, it's a, it's a nonsensical uh, initiative of hers, but uh, that's not, that's not a, a major reason why people are, are trying to recall her. Uh, no, uh, but that's what the media makes it all about. And so they try to, they create a narrative that this is just a whack job group that is out there against this wonderful mayor who's doing all this wonderful stuff for nature and all this wonderful stuff to save uh, uh, people from dying from COVID. And uh, we're all just a bunch of uh, crazy anti-science coups. That's been the media narrative, but the social media narrative amongst uh, Rahina sympathizers has definitely been, I'm a racist misogynist. And this entire group is filled with racist misogynists who uh, hate her. Uh, well, one of our petitioners, there's three people's names who's got to be on the petition, is himself a Pasquayaki Indian, okay? So uh, we're not a group of white people. I mean, this is just nonsensical. We have tons of Hispanic uh, volunteers who are helping us uh, get rid of this lady. Uh, this has nothing to do with race at all. Now, one of the major issues is, is, is race-related, but that was brought by her when she accused a citizen without cause of being a white supremacist, and she did that to prevent him from uh, painting a blue line in support of the law enforcement downtown. She did that um, over the summer, the weekend of July 4th. And uh, as a result of that, it's, uh, the city's being sued for eight and a half million dollars for defamation of character. And they're going to lose. Uh, that's just a fact. Uh, and, and that's because she wanted to stop them from painting a blue line in support of law enforcement. She despises uh, the police. She's a radical, radical progressive leftist uh, communist uh, activist. Uh, she doesn't behave like a mayor, and rather than leave all of her, you know, mantras on the campaign trail, she brought it into the office with her. And so, when the B the summer of BLM was going a full throttle, 
uh, she wasn't going to have a, a blue line support uh, paid and supported by citizens uh, painted on the streets of Tucson after she used taxpayer dollars to paint for BLM. Uh, of course not. She wasn't going to allow that. And uh, so uh, th this, is the, this is who this woman is. And this is who the people are that that support her. Um, uh, there's a lot of, you know, casual Democrats who don't pay any attention. Like I said, they just vote for the D next to the name and they're, you know, they're, they're shocked, but all the rest of this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that's why there's actually people, Alex, who, who don't even understand what we're about, who accuse us of just wanting to kill everybody. And that the mayor's just trying to save people because of the narrative of the media that we're out there just trying to kill everybody because, uh, you know, we're anti-mask. We're not anti-mask actually. A lot of us are. But there's plenty of people. You should come to some of the signing events. There's people literally wearing a mask, gathering signatures to remove this woman. Sure. Uh, we're for freedom. If you want to wear a mask, be my guest. Wear a mask. Um, that has nothing to do with it. Um, this has to do with our our our, our liberties and, of course, um, uh, her uh, behavior that is completely um, uh, the the behavior of an activist, not a mayor. And then, of course, what she has done to the economy of Tucson. Those are the three major central issues at, at for that I would say every person who's involved in this um, is falls under one of those three categories. There's probably some that fall under all three, but uh, those are the three major. The liberty, you know, her behavior that is some completely, uh, uh, you know, behavior that is not appropriate for a mayor. I don't care what party you are. Once you're the mayor, you're the mayor of everybody. And then, of course, her behavior that is absolutely um, destroying her policies, destroying business. There are so many business owners, small business owners that have signed on, that are supporting us, uh, that want this lady gone. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that narrative, those two, those two major narratives against us have been employed. I would say the news is the science more the anti-science kooks against this wonderful science mayor. And then you have the... Um, racist misogynist lying uh, from social media warriors yeah yeah it's uh this whole this whole thing with the claiming to be science-based and and you know whatever is kind of naked it, it, it's all just uh, a war on propaganda because the thing about science is there's a lot of nuance that's involved and there's not a whole lot of answers like concrete black and white answers there needs to be uh, discussion and, and measuring data and shifting of opinions and um, and uh, uh, decisions around you know implementation you know and it's something that hasn't really happened. I mean we're doing a lot of things that are uh, counterproductive in that regard. Um, one one thing I want to bounce off of you. Um, so you know I I, I see the issues that you have with her. And I think they're pretty legitimate. Um, my concern is that if she, if and when she's removed, is anything really going to change? Um, or is the system going to kind of perpetuate um, this type of behavior? Because the media is still going to be the media. And, um, you know, there's going to be all the big interest money that's still there. And there's going to be all of these other structural issues. Um, so, at the end of the day, like what, what does this really change? Well, I'll answer that two ways. The, the first is I don't consider that kind of stuff when I'm going out to do the right thing. Okay. The right and principled thing is to fight for this community and to fight for, for what is right, to fight for uh, liberty, uh, wherever you find yourself, whatever part of this country you find yourself, I personally believe you should be uh, standing up for your rights. 
Because um, if you don't, they are going to be taken from you. They're going to be. And then the only thing that's going to be left is you're going to have uh, the true, what you would, might call radical uh, portion, which again, I, I would agree with them if they had ever got this far. I just want to point that out to you. But over the radical portion where there's nothing left. If they come for your liberties and they come to take, they are going to come and try to forcibly make you. And that's going to lead to bloodshed. And, and, and I don't want that. It's already happened in this country before. Uh, again, it happened at the founding of this country when we threw off British rule. That's literally what happened. I mean, everybody wants to, you know, we sit here and we act like, you know, history just occurs in a vacuum. No, it doesn't. We're living history. It's, we're the same type of human beings that were back then. It, it never changes. What, what I want to do is focus on avoiding that kind of stuff. So this, you fight, you fight now, you fight now while you can legitimately get wins that, uh, and, and preserve um, um, our civilization without a bloody war. I want to do it bloodlessly. Uh, and that, that happens in the political arena where we stand up and we fight. Uh, that way we, we don't have to fight with actual guns when the time comes that you're under the boot of a government uh, who is literally going to force you to do whatever they say that you have to do. Um, we're already seeing that in Europe. So that's the first. The, the second thing, though, is uh, I, I honestly think, especially like with with the national thing, I, I personally believe Donald Trump will remain president. There's a lot of people that, that don't quite agree with that. Don't see how um, I keep telling them just just wait. It's it. We got a long way to go here. Um, Donald Trump, I believe, will be president. I, I believe there's going to be um, there's a snowball effect that's going to come with regards to this pushback that's building in the country on the national perspective. Uh, that's going to affect, it, it, there's no way that it can't affect what goes on locally. And I do think there's, there's a lot of what we call the moneyed interest people that are waiting to see what side shakes, that shakes out on. Because a lot of moneyed interest people, they tend to just move based on their best interest for their business or whatever. Um, and if it looks like Donald Trump's going to win, then that actually will give them the courage to start siding with, you know, liberty and all that kind of stuff at the lower levels it just it, it's naturally going to happen that way because uh it the political um power that looks like it's all on one side will then suddenly swing the pendulum swings but even if that doesn't happen you can uh continue to build and this is why i talk about fighting from the ground up with the pima gop wherever you're at you can start fighting and taking over your community that's a much slower process uh, that can easily be helped up and sped up by the national processes taking a shift towards your political side. Um, and I think that that's what's coming. But even if it doesn't, even though it's going to be a harder road to hoe and a longer road to hoe, you can by, again, fighting, and I mean fighting sensibly, real ideas, real solutions, but never backing down on the principles. Uh, you'll start to win. Your, your base will continue to grow, meaning because you'll find there's, there's, like, there's so many like-minded people. We have it in our DNA. We don't, as Americans, we don't want bigger government, most of us. We just don't. We don't want government telling us how to run our lives, how to live our lives. I, I run into very few Americans who want that. They're just not interested. Um, and if, if, if you're talking that language, the language of liberty, the language that is in the American DNA, but then you're able to couple it with real policy solutions for issues that matter to us, especially here in this issues, things like that, you'll find that you're able to suddenly start winning political battles because you've formed a voting base that knows who you are, what you are. And then once you start wielding that political power back, you can start to write the ship. Now, that's a longer approach if you don't have any support from the national um, 
things that are going on, like you're kind of your own little subset over here, but it, it, it happens. So it happens all over the country because politics is local. Politics has always been and always will be ultimately local. So if you're yeah. willing to engage it, you can affect a great outcome no matter what. And so that's, that's really what I'm planning on doing. I, I tell you, I mean, I have friends who are, you know, conservatives and what's going on in the country. Like you should just move to Cochise County, get out of Tucson, just <laughs> come live out here with us in the, in, you know, in, in rural, rural Arizona. And I tell them, I'm not doing that. I was born here. I was raised here. This is where my family is. This is where my life is. And I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going to fight for what is mine. I'm going to fight for what is right. But you know, that, that, uh, you don't get to see and reap the immediate uh, benefits of that a lot of times, uh, but it's downstream, but it is downstream and it will, because I believe in the uh, spirit of liberty that beats within the hearts of, of Americans. I, I just believe in it. And as long as you're willing to be a voice for that, an honest voice and have some integrity, but then couple that for political purposes, like I said, with real solutions to the problems that we all face, not government centric solutions. I mean, real liberty-centric uh, solutions that people can go, yeah, that can work. Okay, I can see that. And then you can start to move the ship because you got you to win. you got to win elections. Um, win or lose, what you know, Donald Trump has done uh, has exposed that our, our elections are fraught with irregularities, uh, outright fraud, and issues that uh, they will be addressed. They, there's no way they can just be swept back under the rug. They've just been blown all over the house. So good things are coming on that front. I, I, I firmly believe that so that we can actually trust our election processes moving forward in this country. Um, and then, you know, real Americans with real ideas will get elected by other real Americans who are looking for just that kind of thing. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm not dissuaded by the obstacles in my path or by the fact that yes, being in a deep blue uh, county here in Arizona, it looks almost uh, impossible, certainly daunting, but, um, it can be done. It can be accomplished and we're going to get it done. Yeah. I, I like what you said as far as uh, about being in your integrity. And that, that's something that I find really important uh, for myself as well. I know I'd, I'd much rather get black bagged and, and die in a prison with my integrity than just be complicit in some like really bad, awful things. And, um, you, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Like when you go through history and I, you know, one of the things I try and do, uh, is communicate in, in ways that uh, people of differing political persuasions can hear. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think these things of like government accountability are very universal uh, yeah. election uh, integrity. It's a very universal issue. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot of, and I, there's a lot of cognitive um, dissidence that's created by the media. So like, if you look at it in 2016, there's a lot of, uh, um, claims from the left about election uh, fraud or irregularities. And then, you know, in 2020, a lot of the people that were shouting about it, you know, are silent. Right. Um, right. So there, there's a lot of that going on. And I think um, I'm with you on the, uh, the personal liberty um, uh, being, being vital and being, being important. That's, that's what this show is about is like giving people tools to really be empowered. Um, and I come at it more from like an economic, uh, um, money standpoint. I see Bitcoin as being the solution around that. 
Um, but yeah, uh, one of the things that we're so reliant on in this society is is third party intermediaries. So like um, the election issues could be very easily solved with technology just to have like an open um, public ledger where you can go and verify that your vote was counted um, mm -hmm. and to see how many votes were, you know, you could do it anonymously even, but to see how many votes. So anybody could go in and audit it. Like there are systems where you can do that, um, but there doesn't really seem to be any um, interest in doing it. You know, we, we rely on these companies like Dominion, which have a lot of lobbying power and potentially have some pretty sketchy uh, ties to, mm -hmm. you know, different people. Um, you know, a lot of it's dependent on, uh, uh, you know, the state and whatever their political persuasion is and how they oversee it. There, there's so many issues that I think are problematic. And so to not give that discussion um, uh, any sort of real consideration I think is really unfortunate and we're seeing that on a lot of levels because you know the nine out of ten people I think you know rely on their information from certain sources that have a political agenda and won't know a thing or two about the election regularities they'll just hear that like you know all of these court cases are thrown out and Giuliani is a grifter and you know all all yep. these other stuff but yeah man that's why that's why podcasting is such a better forum you know yeah long discussion i mean people get to hear what you're about and what the movement is about and you can't really sum that up in a 2 minute little blurb on the nightly news but not really but i will say the nightly news doesn't even try so yeah um they get an so, edited clip of what they want so yeah exactly get to push their agenda um so how many signatures are you guys at right now uh we have well over eight thousand right now um i'm not sure they, the total number that notarized in hand um i don't give an official tally on our website till um i get uh handed back in petitions that are notarized on the back but since we have so many uh, volunteers and we have um, over 20,000 uh, signatures. So sheets with enough for 20,000 signatures. We have that many out in circulation amongst volunteers. Um, so when you do the math on that, and then uh, the fact that we have 7,270 in hand, we just picked up another 700. I'll get those this weekend. So I'll probably process another 800 or so this weekend. Um, we have um, we have well over 8,000. We usually, on my count, it lags around 1,000 behind. Uh, because again, if you consider the amount we have in circulation with volunteers, and some volunteers are moving much faster than others, but we have literally, a, you know, I'd say almost 100 volunteers that only have one sheet with them. And who knows, they have two, three signatures on those sheets. I don't know how long they're taking uh, with those sheets. My, my point is, is when you have that kind of uh, number out there uh, and the amount of, and the events are picking up, um, our lag is about a thousand, I estimate, uh, between what I report and what is probably out there. Um, and that lag is actually dwindling. Um, so uh, in time, uh, our rate is picking up the amount the, the, the amount of petitions that were, were uh, over the last two weeks, it's uh, the collection rate has picked up um, noticeably. I've noticed that. And that's because we had a huge influx after this curfew went in of volunteers. So, um, we're really confident. We're on pace right now.
to get our 25,000, just barely, but with a new influx, and I've seen the rate of activity going up, um, we might be able to push uh, that number up to where we want it to be, 30,000. So, uh, but we're definitely on pace right now to get our 25,000. We are. And I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah, no, I'm actually surprised uh, at your um, kind of lower estimation. I thought you would have been higher because you're, the Facebook group has like 9,000 people on it. Um, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of those volunteers are just posting and they're not getting active. So we keep working on trying to get those people active. Uh, but again, my estimations are extremely conservative. They, and they, all, that's all I could do is estimate. I told you what we have in circulation. We have enough to get 20,000 plus in circulation right now. Volunteers have them. Um, so I am just extremely, extremely conservative. And when I say what I'm saying to you, uh, we sure. could possibly have uh, well over more. But by being that conservative, I'm not building up anybody's high hopes for something that crashes down and burns. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm being extremely conservative on purpose. Uh, and with that conservative estimation, we're on pace. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I just keep pushing all the time uh, for more volunteers, get involved, get a sheet here, get a sheet there, get your sheets act back into us. One of the things is, is we're finding a lot of people who still have tons of sheets that are already finished. They're notarized, but they still haven't gotten to us. Um, and I don't know why they're waiting to get them to us. And the reason I know this is because sometimes they'll drop a line. I've got five sheets notarized, but I'm still working on three others. So, you know, that's why I'm not dropping them off. So, you know, okay. So I know there's this person out there who's got five notarized sheets, but I don't have them in my hands. So they're not going to my official count. You see what I'm saying? Um, I don't count anything officially until I get it back home. Yeah. Um, in, in the count. Yeah. And so once you get all the signatures, which I'm pretty confident that will happen, uh, what, what's the next step? It, I think it gets put on the ballot. Or something. Yeah, we, we, we drop them off. Uh, drop dead date uh, for the end of the recall is February 27th. It's a Saturday. Um, and we drop them off uh, to City Hall. Oh, and by the way, that number that I gave you, it, those are good signatures. I've already removed, when I get them, I remove all county signatures. Anybody that's not in the city or a registered voter, I remove from our grand total. So I don't include, in my hand, I have well over 8,000 signatures in my hand, uh, but there's some bad signatures in there and I remove them. Um, but most people are doing a pretty good job get, gathering their signatures, following the rules. We continue to explain and update who needs to sign, how to sign. But February 27th is when we return, we return them and we have to have the total by February 27th. And then um, they have up to 10 days to count. But the gentleman told me, the city clerk told me, it'll probably only take them three to four days to count them. Um, and, and that's because they scroll through each one. And it's actually not like a petition to get on a ballot or something. This actually is because you're recalling. They go through them with a fine tooth comb. They make sure that every signature that is going to get counted is a valid signature that counts. And then um, they have up to 10 days to do that. And as soon as they get that, then they, they announce it. They say they have the signatures to recall, and that gives it to the city council. And the city council then, well, that gives it to the mayor. The mayor then has five days. She has up to five days to say whether she wants to resign or not, okay? Now, if she chooses to not resign, which I'm anticipating she will not, uh, then that's when she says, no, I'm gonna run for reelection. And then the city council has up to 30 days, so another month, to declare a recall election. And once the recall election is declared, we have, I believe, two months to gather signatures for a candidate 
who wants to get on the ballot and challenge her. And it can be anybody, but it's quite a few signatures to get on the ballot. It's about 2000 a minimum. It's 1900 and something, but it's um, 2000 minimum just to get on there. So obviously, and I've been looking for a candidate. I have uh, some interests, uh, some people. I'm not showing my cards to anybody right now, but um, whoever this group gets behind will obviously have the best chance because they will easily get their signatures because we'll get them for them. Um, and secondly, uh, we, we really only want one candidate. So that's one of the things I'm working on even now is I'm trying to get people to rally around one person. So when the time comes, it's just one person. I don't want to split ticket. If you have a split ticket, she's going to win. That's just a fact. So we, we need everybody to rally around one candidate to, uh, to have her removed. So uh, that's the process. And so if everything just goes to uh, as long as it can be, be gone, then we would have a recall election probably in September. We could end up having it in August if they expedite everything, but I'm anticipating they're going to drag out everything. So um, the recall election would will, will probably take place in September of this coming year. Yeah. Well, um, do you think we'll get canceled for this, for this conversation? No, no. I mean, uh, YouTube, we're not talking about rigged election. So as long as you don't put rigged election in your title, you should be okay. Uh, yeah. you, did you see YouTube censorship warning? Did you see that? Mm -mm. Oh yeah. They put out a censorship warning on the ninth because of the safe Harbor date, which is a meaningless thing. I just want you to know that they said that they're going to delete any and all posts within the system that, that are claiming rigged election. You talk about censorship. China would be proud of YouTube. <laughs> Literally. They, they well, put that out. They're going to yeah, delete anything. Yeah, I've been pretty bummed out about YouTube. They they do all sorts of sneaky censorship. They don't always just deplatform and take people off. They do stuff like demonetize and yep. th there's a thing called the the shadow ban where they just make sure people's videos don't. See you. Yep. So yeah, I've been exploring some different uh, platform ideas. There's there's one I'm looking at right now. It's called the the Sphinx app, um, which is kind of like a chat app built on built on the Lightning Network, which is like a Bitcoin thing. Okay. And so I can put my Adam Curry, who created podcasting, um, is champion, and he's all about decentralization and freedom of speech. And it's really, Amen. yeah, he's got a pretty compelling argument. But yeah, I mean, I think a good way to wrap this up is. Um, you know, political action involvement in your community, I, I feel like is important. Uh, you know, the vast majority of Americans um, today are against racism and would like to think of themselves as abolitionists, but the vast majority of the country were not abolitionists at the time. And so um, puts into perspective, you know, of why it's important to, to take these issues seriously and be involved in our community. Um, so yeah, really appreciate you coming on. This is fun. Oh, thanks, brother. Yeah, uh, anybody who uh, watches and is in Tucson, or even if they live around Tucson and they want to get involved, um, send them to recallrahina2020.net. That's our website. We always have our daily events where volunteers are set up so that people can go to to sign the petition because you have to sign it in person. You cannot sign this online. And um, online votes. Yeah, yeah, no mail. And I, I joke with people, I, I wish it was Dominion petitioned we had. You just sign once, we fill out the sheet. But uh, we don't have that. We, we, we have to have all these signatures uh, by the end of February. So if people live outside of Tucson, 
uh, but they know people in Tucson. Send them to that website so they can come find an event, come, come by and sign. Um, if you want to get involved, uh, you can donate because we use that money. We're, try- we're just now looking into trying to get some digital advertising going. We keep on buying, you know, shirts and, and, the, and the signage that we've had for, for, for volunteers. And uh, it's really working. And uh, just getting that name out there, let everybody know this is happening. It's very real. And people just need to find us. Um, so that we can reach out to you. If you're on Facebook, we're, we just now started a Twitter, Recall Rahina 2020 on, the, on our Twitter, uh, that's our Twitter handle. Uh, but we've mostly been on Facebook. Our, our social media group is Recall Rahina 2020. Uh, that's the main group. Uh, we also have the old group, the original one before I took things over, Recall Rahina, uh, or, or it might be called Recall Romero. But um, again, that's both on Facebook and that, that is another great um, asset to us. We've been able to, to you know, spread that out, uh, the word out through that social media activity. Uh, but again, the primary one is, is the, the website, recallrehina2020.net. And um, I just encourage people, if you, even if you can't sign, if you have friends in Tucson, send them there so that they can locate us and come and sign. Uh, and then, of course, you can email us at recallrehina2020 at gmail.com. That's recallrehina2020 at gmail.com. We tried to keep everything simple. Recall Rahina 2020. That's the name of the pack. So um, again, thanks for your time, Alex. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, use your platform to help get the word out there. Really appreciate it, man. And if you're whoever's out there, if you want to stand for Liberty uh, this Friday night, we're going to be out there again to uh, Tucson City Hall. That's 225 um, Alameda Street. And then we're going to walk up stone down the Congress and, you know, honk and wave our, our, our flags and have a good time. Uh, past curfew, of course, you know, so that's why it's 10 o'clock. And um, we'll, we're going to be doing that every Friday night uh, until the end of this ridiculous curfew, which I believe is December 22nd, I believe, is the end of it. So we've got a couple more weekends where we'll, we'll we going out breaking curfew. So if you want to join us, that's where we're going to be this Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, I might I might be there. And uh, yeah, what a great Christmas present from the government that you can go right. out after 10 o'clock at night. Right. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, so nice of them. So benign. So wonderful. Well, really appreciate it, and I'll definitely stay in touch. Yeah, that was a really fun conversation. I hope you took something away from it. And if you want to follow up more, um, he did list the website where you can get in contact with somebody of the movement. And there's people all over the place uh, uh, trying to get signatures for the petition, and they're probably good resources to talk to as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was just... It was fun. I enjoyed it uh, because this conversation was about empowering people to get involved in their community and to question authority. Just because somebody is in a position of authority doesn't mean that they really uh, uh, are the (laughs) authority on any issue. Like they are prone to mistakes and they're just human. They're just as likely to make bad decisions um, as you would be in that same position of power. And so it's important to have pushback, discourse, and uh, dissent. Um, but yeah, if you want to learn about Bitcoin, uh, I put out a bunch of tools. You can listen to my uh, previous podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, Bitcoin really is freedom. It's financial freedom. It allows you to be personally sovereign by uh, taking, like, essentially operating as your own bank. Um, and then on top of that, you know, it, it's not going to get debased like government money. Um, and man, 2020 has been a really exciting year for Bitcoin and I'm excited. I'm going to have a live stream on uh, New Year's 
Eve with a couple of local Arizona Bitcoiners, and we're just going to talk about the year in review and all the crazy developments um, from MicroStrategy buying hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin to um, you know the president tweeting about it, and you know just things that we never uh, probably didn't see coming for a while, and. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun um but yeah i'm excited about that and i've got a lot of beginner material on patreon if you uh support me in tucson the tucson bitcoin podcast on patreon uh that would go a long way um i try and make it really accessible to everybody i mean you can support me for as little as a dollar a month and uh try to get some perks on there um but yeah um i i just want to see our community uh, grow and to be strengthened and I want to see the devastating impacts of inflation just become so much less um, you know to see people really like embrace entrepreneurship and personal empowerment and uh, and the importance of like learning and curiosity you know all these different things and I think Bitcoin is the best tool to get into that point um, and yeah well anyways I appreciate you listening if you want to reach out to me uh i'm all over the place just search the tucson bitcoin podcast probably my linkedin will probably pop up i answer messages on there unless you're a life coach or somebody trying to sell me something stupid but um uh, i'm on twitter too which is probably the best place to uh reach out to me and uh yeah have a good one